Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This happened back in 2004 in northern Wisconsin. I was 16 at the time and out deer hunting with my dad and a friend of his, Frank. I do remember this day like it was yesterday. The dialogue isn't word for word, obviously, but the ideas of it are 100% accurate, of that I'm sure. As a side note too, it was only one day after that eight people were shot less than two hours away. So my dad and I had a few different stands over an area of maybe three quarters of a square mile, I would say. He had been hunting there for at least ten years, and I'd been going with him since I was about five. Up until I was 12, legal age to hunt with a rifle, I'd just been tagging along mostly. This particular morning, we walked up to my stand first. It was about 5am or so, so still pretty dark outside. I got situated and my dad and Frank went off to our other two stands over a ridge, maybe another 500 or 600 yards off. Sitting there in the dark is always a, a little bit eerie, I'll admit. But not long after my dad and Frank left, I see a flashlight from the general direction of where they headed, maybe 200 yards away, roughly moving in my direction. I figured that they forgot something from the truck or something, so I radioed to see what they were doing. Uh, we're sitting in my stand. Frank's about to head off to the other one, he says. Obviously, then, this flashlight is somebody else. This isn't super uncommon and it really isn't a big deal. I mean, those woods get pretty crowded sometimes and there's a spot to park in that general direction anyway. So I turn on my light so the other hunter can see that there's somebody there and he stops. I see the light turn and then just go a different direction. 
no big deal and I end up dozing off while it's still dark out. When I wake up though, the sun is up, it's around 8am and I sit there for a bit. I radio my dad to see if he's heard or seen anything moving. Nothing yet. A couple of gunshots off in the distance is all. I get up and go for a slow little walk to get my blood moving for a bit. Not far, maybe 30 yards out and back, trying not to make a sound. I come back to my stand and sit down and take a real good look around. Nothing really going on. When I finally look out to my left, where I had seen the flashlight before, and I see orange. For anyone unfamiliar, hunters have to wear blaze orange during gun season. I radioed my dad and Frank to see if either one of them were moving around, and dad says no. I hear nothing from Frank, so I grab the binoculars out of my backpack to see if it's Frank. And it's definitely not Frank. And this guy is looking directly at me through his scope, rifle aimed directly at me. This is a huge no-no as well. The massive rule that we all learn in hunter's education is never point your rifle at something that you don't intend to shoot. Dumb people still do it though. It's few and far between, but it does happen. And this is why normal people use binoculars. My first thought was, what an idiot. The thing is though, is that even with me looking at him, he doesn't put his gun down. Now I'm starting to panic a little bit thinking that I'm going to be the next hunting murder victim. So I slowly grab my rifle, get up, stand behind as many trees as I can, and walk down a little path to the side of my stand. My stand is on this kind of little knoll on the side of a much larger hill. I radio my dad, tell him what's up. He tells me to sit tight and stay out of sight. Obviously, as a 16-year-old, I couldn't do that, and I had to keep looking. And every time I looked, the guy was still aiming in my direction, but was always standing in a different spot. Like, I would look, go back to hiding, look again, and he would be like 30 yards from where he was last time. About 10 minutes of this goes by when my dad radios me and he says, How you doing, bud? Looking back, he was very obviously trying to keep me calm. At the time, I thought that he just wasn't taking me seriously. So I said... Uh, he's still there, but he keeps moving. I don't know what his problem is. Dad told me to just keep hidden and he'll figure it out, that he'll be coming up near him in a minute or two. And that was when I heard the shot. I lost it instantly as well, trying to get a hold of my dad. Did he just get shot? Where is he? Did he have to shoot the guy? What the heck is going on? I sat there too for maybe like two or three minutes that felt like hours. And then, all right, son, come on out and head toward my stand. I peek out over the little knoll that I was hiding behind and see my dad waving from along the ridge that the random guy had been on. I make the trek on over to him to see what happened. Turns out that Frank was feeling a little restless and took a little stroll and ended up on the other side of that particular ridge the stranger was on, not knowing that he was there. He had actually knocked his radio battery loose while he was getting situated earlier in the morning, and had no idea that anything was even going on. The shot that I heard was actually Frank shooting a deer, but Dad said that as soon as Frank shot, the guy walked off away from us toward the logging road. We helped Frank out with his deer, but we decided to call it an early day after that. 
Although I was extremely nervous for the rest of the week, it did go on with no other incidences, which for me was good. A couple of years ago, I was sitting in my bedroom around, I'd say 8-ish p.m. down near my university, and I was searching the internet and I got a FaceTime call from a number that I didn't recognize, but I answered it anyway because I figured that it was just a random person and I would grab my roommate and we would just start a convo with some random person somewhere in the world. Anyways, I answered the FaceTime call to a very, very dark room. At first, I only managed to see what looked like to be a, a blanket hung up over the window behind them. It was sunny where they were because you could see the sun peeking in from around the edges of the blanket and in a sort of transom window above the blanket. So I proceeded to say hello two or three times with nobody answering. Finally though, someone appeared from the bottom of the screen and I kid you not, it was like literally me. I just kind of stared at them for a split second in shock and awe before sort of waving at them. As soon as I waved too, the other person on the other end mimicked my wave at the exact same time in the exact same motion. I freaked out at that point and I just shut off my computer immediately after that. I didn't receive another FaceTime call from that random number then or ever since. But my question is, could that possibly have been a, a FaceTime from myself from another dimension? I know... I know that that sounds weird, but I'm not lying to you when I say that it was me. Like, it was literally me. Also, it was nighttime where I was and clearly daytime where he was. And the waving of the hand at the exact same time and speed and mannerism? I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it still creeps me out to this day, for sure. When I was 13 years old, my family was actually robbed, unfortunately, by my mum's ex-best friend. Before robbing us, they had broken in multiple times. One time they left the front door open, in fact, and another, my mother opened the laundry room door, and as she did, the back door closed. But having these experiences, we eventually changed the locks and made sure that we locked the doors at night, and also armed the home alarm. But the following year, the events in this story happened. For context too, my family lived in a pretty bad area. People had been robbed and some people had even been assaulted or even jumped, my brother included. My father is a truck driver as well, so my mother, brother and I were usually alone there. My mum is someone who really enjoys watching the ID channel on TV. In fact, my town was once featured on one of the ID channel shows. Our town has such a huge crime rate that a human trafficking ring was busted and my mum's ex-best friend knew someone that was busted apparently. This city that I live in is one of the most dangerous in the country and just yesterday we drove past a car dump. Earlier in the year also we've called the cops twice and once because we'd heard someone in the backyard and another because we heard gunshots. One night my brother was asleep in the living room, I was in my room and my mother was in her bedroom. I was on my phone at like 1am because insomnia sucks. When suddenly I heard the doorbell being rang frantically. My mum is a pretty light sleeper so she got up and went to the front door. 
She looked through the peephole at the door and I walked out as she was standing on her tippy toes looking at the front door. She's like 5 foot tall which roughly converted into centimeters is like 150 centimeters tall. She was speaking to the guy behind the door. I heard a, a muffled guy's voice say, Hey, uh, my car broke down and I need to use your phone. My mum cleverly replied, I'm sorry, but we don't actually have a phone. She grabbed her phone after saying that. The man insisted and tried to open the door at one point. He got angry because it was locked and started shouting. I went to my brother and woke him up and I told him to be quieter and we ran to the bathroom. My mum eventually joined us and we hid in the bathroom together, just sort of holding on to each other. It felt like a lifetime in that bathroom, but my mother was on the phone with 911 the entire time. I was making sure that my brother remained quiet. When my mum told the cops that we were there, she made sure that when she heard them knocking that it was them. She gave a statement and I couldn't hear it all because my brother and I were in the bathroom together. But my mum told us that we could come out and I immediately called my dad in tears. He answered and I was crying so hard that my dad couldn't understand me so I gave the phone to my mum. A while later though the cops came back and told my mother that they had actually caught the guy that my mum described and he was playing on his phone and he didn't have a car. Which means that his intentions were probably to break in and rob us or maybe even worse. I think that my mum watching the ID channel may have just saved our lives that night. So I was 15 years old at the time and I was playing airsoft in a super deep thicket of woods behind my house with three other friends. It was right on the brink of dusk and had started to rain a fair amount. We were super familiar with these woods, so we thought anyway, so we didn't pay much mind to the lack of daylight or rain. After splitting up into one of two groups, we agreed that one team or two would go into the thick of the woods, where we'd built numerous foxholes and trenches to defend, while the other team stuck to the less wooded area of the trail that worked its way through these woods. Well, I was on the latter team, so we started making our rounds up and down the trail to try and bring them out of the woods for a sort of better angle of engagement. I had actually brought night vision goggles. We took airsoft a bit seriously and was ahead of my partner on the trail, surveying the area since we did know that some potentially aggressive wildlife did live out there, like coyotes and wild hogs and stuff like that. And well, after walking maybe two or three hundred feet, I would say, into the woods, I noticed some really strange movement ahead of us on the trail at maybe four hundred feet past the trail entrance now. Whatever it was, too, it's big, like really big, at least six foot in stature. I immediately let my buddy know to hold tight so that I could study it a little more before it noticed us. But the weirdest thing about it all... I noticed that it was bipedal once it ran into the woods, right in the direction of our other team as well. Well, we hauled us straight out of there. I mean, we ran like I've never run before, and I was a pudgy 15-year-old kid at the time. Once we finally got out of the field, clearing right before the trail entrance, we started scrambling for our radios and breath so that we can get to the other frequency and tell them to get the heck out of Dodge. Well... 
say no more because minutes later, our other two buddies came rushing out of there with urgency that I didn't know that they even had. To say that their faces were as white as a ghost and that they were terrified wouldn't be doing it justice either. Once they finally were able to choke out a sentence though, we were informed that not even minutes after my partner and I's encounter on the trail that they had been in a foxhole maybe 300 to 400 feet away listening and looking for us, only they had an encounter with our cryptid friend as well and one of them had something what I can only assume was this unknown creature, breathed down his neck as he sat faced away from it in the foxhole. He said that he didn't get to see it, but he could certainly feel just how big it was behind him. And not even seconds after he squeezes their experience out, we hear the most guttural, nerve-grating screech come from the woods that, to this day, I have not felt a fear remotely close to, as well as not even having a chance to identify it. We did go back to the woods the next day to see if we could find anything strange, and we did. Deer, and I mean lots and lots of just mangled deer after deer after deer, at least five of them in maybe a mile radius, that's what we could find anyway. We left after seeing that, and while we did keep playing airsoft at that same location, for many more months in fact, until I'd eventually moved from my childhood home, we never went back after dark past that day, though. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When I was around 12 years old, my family and I moved into a semi-detached house, just up the street from our previous home. The house wasn't very big, and the floor plans for our part of the house were completely different from our neighbors. But our neighbours were a lovely little family of four. Husband is from England, wife is from Norway, which is where I live. They also had a little three-year-old girl and a six-month-old boy. Now, I actually really like children, always have, and at the time I really wanted to start babysitting. It's quite common to start babysitting at about age 12 here, and I was turning 13, about a month later anyway, so I wanted to find a small job. 
As we got to know our neighbours over the first few months of living there, my parents told the neighbours that if they ever needed a sitter, then it would be nice if they would consider trying me out. Seeing as it would be my first job as a babysitter, we thought it would be smart to start with my next door neighbours, seeing as my parents would literally be on the other side of the wall, just in case anything happened. Cut to a Friday night when my neighbours went to a party that was happening just down our street. I got there at around 8pm and the parents told me that they would come home at around 2 or 3am. Both kids were already sleeping so they told me to just put on a movie and just relax. Now, these kids were honestly the easiest to babysit ever. Once you put them to bed and they fell asleep, literally absolutely nothing would wake them up. They really were some of the heaviest sleepers that I've ever seen, so babysitting them was usually pretty uneventful. I was on the couch watching Avatar in the living room on the second floor. The kids had their own separate bedroom that was just downstairs where the front door was. I could basically see their bedrooms from where I was sitting as the place was quite small. But because of the hallway, I couldn't quite see the front door. Now, again, this house was very small, so as long as the TV wasn't up too loud, I could hear everything that happened downstairs. And at around midnight, I heard the front door unlock and my neighbours walked in whilst talking. I hear them close the door and they started taking off their jackets and shoes. I thought it was a bit weird that they hadn't called to let me know that they were coming home early. I just assumed that it must have slipped their minds, though so I went downstairs to greet them. I could hear them talking up until the point that I came around the corner to the hallway that led to the door, and when I did, there wasn't anybody there. The talking fell silent the second that I turned the corner, and the only sound was from the TV upstairs. My heart started beating quickly, and my head was rushing now. I ran to the bedrooms and checked the kids before I searched the rest of the house. I opened every door, checked every cabinet for anything that could explain what had just happened. But honestly, there was just nothing there. The kids were still sound asleep as well, and eventually I just convinced myself that I must have been imagining things. I did check the kids one last time, and I made sure that the doors were wide open so that I could see them from upstairs. Eventually, I sat down to finish the movie whilst trying to process what had just happened. But when I sat down, I noticed the TV had been shut off, even though I hadn't turned it off. And when I turned it back on, there was just snow on the screen. I couldn't for the life of me get it to work again as well. And that was when the talking downstairs started up again. But not only that, but the baby started screaming bloody murder... Now, this baby never woke up from naps and definitely never screamed the way it did that night. I've never in my life run down a staircase as fast as I did that night though. I rushed towards the baby's bedroom only to find the door closed. I ripped the door open, picked up the baby and rushed to pick up his sister. I took them both upstairs and held those kids for almost three hours before finally the parents came back home. The talking and the sounds downstairs came and went as I had the kids with me on the couch. I held them as close to me as I possibly could and I just tried my best to keep them asleep. As the parents came home, I was too scared to walk downstairs to greet them. I couldn't be sure if it was actually them or not until they walked up the stairs and just found me clutching their children upstairs. 
Obviously, they noticed that I was upset and asked me what had happened. I honestly felt like I had lost my mind at that point, but I just told them the story anyway. After I was finished, they told me that it wasn't the first time that anything like that had happened there, because apparently they had heard voices all the time at night as well. I was kind of mortified that they didn't think to warn me before, but they said that they were sorry that this happened to me and the mum walked me home to my house eventually. And after that, I slept with the lights on in my room for almost a month after it. And believe it or not, I did actually go back and I did babysit those kids once again. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Growing up, I had a childhood friend that lived relatively close by, and honestly, we were like two peas in a pod. We both were adventurous, believed in the paranormal, enjoyed astronomy, and generally just being outside. She was born in Alaska, and her dad lived there for quite a while, so they were always into camping, hiking, fishing, skiing, you name it. And it was with my friend's family that I got introduced to fishing, and I did a lot of camping as well. This happened during the mid to late 90s and I would say that we were maybe around 10 to 12 years old at the time. It's been a while though so I can't really remember exactly. Now, one camping trip we went to this lake in the forest that was surrounded by a meadow and feeding the lake was a small stream leading out of the woods. We played in the meadow and the stream pretty much all day while my friend's dad fished. The lake wasn't very big and because it had a meadow all around it, he could keep an eye on our whereabouts while he fished. While messing around the stream, the wooded area that it was coming from gave me a really weird vibes though. I can't explain it, but I just felt really uneasy. Anyway, the day faded away into early evening and it was time to leave and find a camping spot. My friend's dad packed up his fishing gear and we all walked back to the truck on this long winding path through the woods. Once in the truck, we drove into a more remote area of the forest and made our way up this steep road that was so rough and at such an incline that I was convinced that my friend's dad was going to break his truck. He had a four, maybe six cylinder Toyota pickup or something that was about as basic as a truck could get. In fact, I'm not even that sure if the truck even had four wheel drive. Being an Alaskan outdoorsman with years of experience, I just sort of trusted him. We finally made it up to the top though, which was flat and relatively open with a big area of forest in the opposite direction from the road that we drove up. We pitched our tents, got everything set up, and my friend and I decided to go and explore the area. We were maybe 50 yards from the tent when we heard a big crack as a tree branch snapped in the woods behind us. Well, we got quiet and looked in that direction, but we didn't see anything. Thinking that it was just a deer, though, we ended up just brushing it off. As we were walking, we heard it again and whispered to one another about what it could be, but kept going. 
It stopped briefly, and when we were about maybe 200 yards from our campground, we sat on a boulder looking down the steep wooded hill overlooking the dirt road from where we had come from, when suddenly we heard another cracking branch from behind us. Whatever it was, it actually seemed to be following us. Our imaginations going wild, we came up with everything from a serial killer stalking us in the woods to deer to Bigfoot himself, and when we got back to the campsite, we told her dad what we had heard, and now it seemed to be paralleling us. He kind of played it off as maybe a black bear and secured all the food. Later on, my friend confided in me that her dad had actually gotten out his pistol and would be sleeping with it that night. My friend and I were sharing one tent though, and he was in his own tent not far from us, so we figured everything was going to be okay. But I woke sometime in the middle of the night to hearing something or someone walking outside of our tent. As I lay still, listening, I could hear it quietly circling the tent. It sounded like it was walking on two legs because it had this distinct rhythm in how it walked. And whatever it was, it sounded big as I could hear its weight, if that makes sense, as it put each foot down and walked. I could even hear relatively quiet but deep heavy breathing at times as well. As I lay there listening, I could hear it wandering to the other parts of the campsite and then back to our tent, almost as if it was walking in a big repetitive loop. This went on for who knows how long, to be honest. It felt like an eternity, though. Terrified and unable to wake my friend, I just laid there, listening until I eventually fell back to sleep. Next morning, I told my friend and her dad about it, but... I don't know if they believed me or not. Interestingly though, absolutely nothing in the camp was disturbed in any way. The ground wasn't very soft and in some places it was covered in grass so there were no footprints either. But this is something that I've just never been able to explain and to this day it sort of lingers in the back of my mind when camping. I just always wonder what it was that walked around our tent all night. So, I just want to start by saying that to make this story easier to understand, I'm going to use a lot of dialogue. Obviously, this wasn't recorded, so these aren't the exact words of anyone involved in this experience. But I'm just trying to tell it as best as possible, and I think it'll benefit me and you if I use a lot of quotes. Just keep in mind, though, that most of it is not direct. This is going to be a bit long, too, so... Now let's just get into it. So this happened in 2015 when I was 16 and still living in my hometown. A forgotten little beach town in the middle of nowhere that's so remote it's probably not even known by surrounding areas. Basically, there's three things that you can do there as a teenager though. Go to the movies, swim or go to this pathetic little place called Miller's Fun Park. It's relatively similar to a lot of park-type things, only a, a whole lot worse if I'm being honest. There's a terrible arcade with broken skee-ball machines, batting cages that probably haven't been used since the early 80s, a, a pathetic mini golf course, and the most dangerous go-karts that you've probably ever seen in your life. Like, seriously. The Miller's Fun Park is on the edge of a field, though, on the opposite side of the field, about three miles down, I would say, is the beach, and across the single street are the woods. 
Now, if our town is pretty much in the middle of nowhere, Miller's must practically be on the moon. So my cousin Emma and I decided one summer night that we wanted to go go-karting. It was around 10pm, so we knew it would be almost deserted, but that was the way that we liked it anyway. So I picked her up from her house and we made the long drive down. Once we had arrived and parked in the nearly empty lot, we hopped out of the car and paid for some go-karting tickets. The same people had worked there forever, I swear to you as well. But there was no one except for a few boys in the arcade and a guy who looked to be in his 60s sitting on a bench near the batting cages. So Emma and I paid him no mind and we went back to the go-kart track. Like I said too, these carts were incredibly dangerous, so I was completely focused on nothing but making sure I wasn't going to skid and flip as we raced way too fast around the windy track. And I think that this is why I didn't notice the guy walking over to the fence, and also why I didn't notice him watching us until we pulled into the lanes after our last lap. He was standing on the other side of the fence right where I was parked. He stared at me with the most unsettling expression and a really creepy smile playing on his cracked lips as his dark eyes gleamed. I managed a sort of uneasy smile back, handed another ticket to the guy running the go-karts, who was obviously higher than a kite at that time, and Emma and I went off again. But this time I, I just couldn't focus, because this dude just gave me the worst type of feeling. My eyes were constantly finding their way to the metal fence where he stood, unmoving and watching us every time that we were in his view. And the thing that was bothering me the most was that he had only bought three tickets. We were on our second to last run and he was standing directly next to the exit gate. I was uh, honestly just praying that he would move before we were done. But of course, no such luck. Alasco came and went, and I had no choice but to pull in next to him, unbuckle my seatbelt, and get out of my go-kart. I glanced over at Emma a few feet away as I opened the exit gate to see if she was as scared as I was, but she didn't even seem to notice as she bounced over and bragged about how she had beat me the last two times. I was barely listening though, and I just sort of opened the gate and the guy stopped in front of me just as I was leaving. Hey there, he said. His voice was dry and he smelt like cigarettes. What are you cute girls doing all alone here? My eyes darted over to Emma, who was looking at the dude with both confusion and annoyance. Uh, what? She said, pushing past the gate, so she stood beside me. Well, it's so late. His tone was as hungry as his eyes and he reminded me of a snake for some reason. Do your parents know that you're out here? Yes, I answered quickly. They're waiting for us, actually. We need to get going. This was a lie and probably sounded like it from my tone, but I tried to push past him anyway. It didn't work. He grabbed my shoulder, actually, to keep me in front of him. Nonsense. I saw you girls pull up alone. My heart dropped to my stomach. He had. Are you heading out? Why don't I walk you guys to your car? He starts inching towards me and I look to Emma for help. With one swift movement, she pulled me halfway behind her and started sizing the guy up. This was pretty dumb as we're both very small and though she's a few inches taller than me, neither of us are anywhere near this guy's size. I mean, this guy was clearly 6'2 at least, but she doesn't seem to care. Actually, we're just headed to the arcade, 
she says harshly. Her boyfriend is going to meet us there. I did have a boyfriend at the time, but he wasn't coming. He wasn't even in town, in fact. I knew that she knew this as well. The guy's face immediately changes, though. His smile completely disappeared, and he was now glaring down at me with a look of annoyance in his eyes. I felt myself starting to cower. Boyfriend? He says roughly. Emma didn't give me time to say anything. She just grabbed my arm and tugged me behind her into the arcade. The boys from before had already left, unfortunately, and the usual girl who worked in there was nowhere to be found. Still, though, it felt safer than outside, so we ran to the back and hid behind the claw machine. What do we do? I left my phone in the car. I whisper shouted. There was no way that I was going out there alone at this stage, and the pothead go-kart guy had already disappeared into the small ticket shack as well. I don't have mine either. I left it charging, she said, face palming. We're just going to have to make a run for it, alright? Wait, are you crazy? He's probably waiting for us in the parking lot. Well, what about the guy who runs the go-karts? We could get him to walk us out, she said, and I just shook my head. Man, he's high as Mount Everest right now. I don't want to risk running all the way to the ticket stand for nothing. Well, then we don't have any choice. She stood up, pulling me with her. Let's go. I swallowed hard, wanting to cry. I had honestly never been that scared before up until that stage. And there was just something really wrong about this guy. We just knew it. We made our way out the arcade, looking around to see if he was nearby but the park was now absolutely deserted. Emma practically had to drag me to the exit. I was looking every direction every second, waiting for this guy to come out of the woods or something and pounce on us at any second. But he didn't. In fact, everything was just sort of dead still. Get your keys out, Emma instructed, and I pulled them out from my pocket. We were about 20 feet from my car when... I stopped dead in my tracks. What? She whispered. I stared at the car, keys in hand, and I had never locked it. Emma, I never locked the car. What? I didn't lock it. And what if... I trailed off, but she knew what I was saying. She started inching towards the car, and I grabbed her arm to stop her, but she pulled away. I'm just going to peek, alright? If I say run, then you have to run. Her voice is quiet, but I nodded shakily. She eventually made it close enough to see inside, but by the way that she was squinting, I knew that it was way too dark to make anything out. My heart was beating out of my chest, and I mean, what if he was in there? What if he jumps out? Or what if we get in and he asphyxiates me like in the movies or something? All these thoughts almost drown out the unmistakable sound of shoes slamming against the pavement all of a sudden. Uh, my head whipped around instantly and there he was, sprinting at us at full speed out of the woods. I screamed bloody murder and broke for the car, jiggling the handle as I realized that I had locked it in fact. Emma was already on the other side, screaming at me to unlock it. I fumbled with the keys but managed not to drop them as I unlocked the door, flung it open and practically threw myself inside. I had just managed to close the door too when he was there, slamming his fists against the window and shouting incoherently. 
I was sobbing at this point and barely managed to lock the doors as he goes for the handle and yanks on it as hard as he can. Emma was screaming at me to go, 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 and through my tears I shoved the key into the ignition and just flew it into reverse. He was still chasing us as well and yelling at us as I veered backwards out of the lot and turned as fast as I could while slamming on the gas. Honestly too, I was driving like I was still in that go-kart, but I didn't care. I could barely see the road through the flood of tears and Emma had to grab the wheel several times to keep us from crashing before I finally regained my composure. Though obviously shaken up, she managed to keep her tears in and be the sane one out of the two of us as we drove at least 30 miles over the speed limit the whole way back to my house. In the end, we didn't actually tell either of our parents about this as well, and looking back, I truly wish that we had because there was something seriously wrong about that guy, but we were just sillily too scared of what they might say or do. I think that we may have thought at the time that they would blame us or something, so it just stayed a secret between us. Something that even we didn't talk about until months after the horrifying encounter. Safe to say though, we never went back to Miller's Fun Park after that. And I guess I'll finish with this. I just want to urge you guys to all be extremely careful if you're going out at night. Because you just truly never know who or what you may stumble upon. This happened about five years ago. I was working at a, a translation company based here where I live. It was a seven-story building and that day I went for lunch break and grabbed my phone. It was an old phone with no smartphone tech, just calls and texts. And I finished my lunch and took the elevator to the seventh floor. And inside of it, I got a phone call. I look at the screen and I see this weird phone number with like 20 or more digits. I decide to answer... There was a, a lot of static and white noise on the line, but it was a woman, and I understand everything that she said. But this is how the call went. Hello? Hello? Who's this? Isaac? 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 That's my name. Uh, yes? Who's calling? Isaac! The angel is going to die! Who? Who's going to die? Isaac, the angel, she's going to die. The call ended here. There was a lot of static and it just sort of dropped out. It, uh, it really freaked me out a lot too because, well, my niece's nickname was Angelita, which means little angel. She was born with Down syndrome and a really bad heart condition that made life for her really hard during the two years that she was with us. And that day she was actually scheduled for heart surgery at the main hospital here. We'd actually made a GoFundMe campaign for her and lots of people helped, specifically from the US. That night she went to surgery and it was all okay. Doctors were taking care of her and everything was looking good. But the next day is when she had complications and was moved to the ICU. The whole family was at home too when we got the terrible news that her heart had stopped and she unfortunately passed away. Our whole world really crumbled and I was stuck with depression for about a year after it. But to this day, I really have no idea who called me that day.
G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.